You see, we can flow in God's presence all day. We could just sit and worship and worship and worship. And nothing should stop us. Nothing at all because he dwells in our praise. Worship is what God desires of us. His glory comes down. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. Glory, glory, glory to the one more time. Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. Glory, glory, glory to the voice in praise unto him every day, every waking moment. Our lives should reflect our praise and worship of our Lord and our King every day, every waking moment. You see, it is, it is in our praise and worship that we get deliverance, that we get victory. Look at Paul and Silas, the midnight hour, when all seemed lost, they thought they would not even have that situation to contend with in the first place. They were imprisoned. And when, you see, the mid midnight is the darkest time of night or day. When all seems lost, that is when my God steps in. You see, they lifted their voice. When all hope was gone, they lifted their voice to him and started worship, started praise. What happened? They were set free. Their chains fell off. They were delivered. That's what my God specializes in. It's not your time. It's his time. It's God's time. In all that we do, let's remember that he does it in his own time. We may have our agenda, we may have our timings, but God doesn't work according to our time. He's sovereign. Sometimes you wonder when all things don't seem to be going right. We go through it. I don't know about you. I do go through that sometimes. When I think certain things should be a certain way and I expect a result, that result doesn't happen the time that I'm expecting it to happen. What do I do? Do I go and help God along for it to happen? Or do I sit and wait? And in my waiting, 
Do I worship him? Do I praise him? Do I lift my hands and say, you are God all the same? Do I do that or do I help him along? That's what we're supposed to do, to praise him. As we wait, we praise, we lift up our hands and declare he is God. Even when you're lost for words, when the words fail you, all he says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You can do that. When words fail you, at least you can say, thank you, Jesus. 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 You see, and then you're looking, focusing on him, not on the problem, not on the issue. Because the more you look at the problem, the more you look at the issue, the bigger it gets. And the more impossible it seems to go away. I've been there. I don't know about you. There are challenges. You see, the world in which we live is filled up full of challenges. Every waking moment, wherever you go, in the workplace, there are challenges. Sometimes I just look at people and just under my breath, mutter, what is wrong with you? I'm just thinking, kids in life, what's wrong with you? But you can't say that. You just have to love them all the same. Yeah? In spite of what they're doing, what they're saying, you have to love them all the same. You can't do it in your own strength. You have to rely on him. And in those times, that's when you learn to wait on him. That's when you sing. You don't have to actually verbalize it. You can sing in your mind. You can sing in your spirit. And that brings the change. God is good. He's wonderful. And he's worthy to be praised. For you are glorious and worthy to be praised. The Lamb upon the throne. And unto you we lift our voice in praise. The Lamb upon the throne. I've realized that worship helps me a lot. The world is filled with so much noise. Noise here, noise there, noise everywhere and right in your face sometimes. And you just say, what is all this? What is all this? How can I deal with this? We can't do it in our own strength, but it's in his strength. And the way to flow into his strength is to look up to him, to worship, to praise, in spite of what you see around you, in spite of what you're going through, learn to worship and praise. Lift up your hands, give it to him. Give it to him, give it to him. That's what we do, because that's the only way we succeed. Those problems, those difficulties are meant to derail you. But you see, we have a God who says we should be steadfast. And in spite of the challenges, haven't prayed, haven't fasted, haven't all, done all that you need to do. Stand, stand, don't give up. You know what he said, and you know whom you believed. Just stand and you see the salvation of our God. Look at Paul and Silas. They shouldn't have been in that situation, but they were. What did they do? Did they just fold their arms, lay themselves down, and sleep? No. They remembered who their God was, and they decided. You see, at every moment, we make a decision, or we should make a decision. And that decision for me is... 
in spite of this, in spite of that, in spite of the noise, in spite of the challenges, I choose to praise my God. I choose to worship my God. That's what we should do. I'm not pretending that it's easy because sometimes those things can be so overwhelming that they paralyze you. But are you going to let those things paralyze you? No. Because you have a God who is bigger than those situations and those noises going around. You see, the word says, the hills melt at the presence of the Lord. Isn't that a big God? If the hills, look at these hills, these mountains that you see around, look how big they are. But our God is much bigger. At his presence, they melt. They flee. They make way for him. What can overcome our God? Nothing. Nothing is impossible for him. We have a God who is great. And nothing, nothing is too difficult for him. You see, again, I'm going into this. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy outstretched hands. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Great in counsel, mighty indeed. Mighty indeed, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. So then what's our problem? We are saying those words, absolutely nothing is too difficult for thee. And yet in the midst of challenges, sometimes we begin to crumble. We should not walk in fear. Hallelujah. I don't know where or how I've gone this way. That has, it's a total deviation from what I've got here. I believe it was meant for somebody. I, maybe even for myself. I don't know. So, thank you, Jesus. You see, we must learn to love one another. Sometimes people go through issues and they tend to take it out on others. I'll read you a little thing I wrote here. I came across this and I thought I'll share with us all. One day, a member of a church, a lady, went to the pastor and announced to him, oh, dear pastor, um, uh, I shall not be attending this church anymore. So the pastor, you see, wisdom is so important. Wisdom, 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 wisdom. In this story here, the pastor operated with great wisdom Many a times, maybe for some of us, we would have simply just said something that we shouldn't say. But listen to a wise pastor. He asked her why. Then she replied, well, when I come to church, people are doing all sorts of things. Some are on their cell phones, join the service. Some are gossips. They talk about me, they talk about others. I hear it myself. And others are not just living right. They are all hypocrites. I don't want to associate with hypocrites. Hmm, interesting. So what did the pastor do? He didn't say, oh, no. He said, fine. He said, can you do one thing for me before you finally take that decision to, lay, to leave? And he's, she asked what it was, wondering. So the pastor replied, 
Take a glass of water. Fill a glass with water to the brim. Not halfway. Fill it all the way. And once you've done that, I want you to walk around the church building twice. And then come back to me. And (laughs) in doing this, make sure you do not spill even a drop of the water in the glass. All right? She went ahead and did it. She finished and came back to the pastor. Then the pastor asked her three questions. The first was, did you see anybody on their phone when you were doing this exercise or when you're going around the church building with a glass filled with water? Did you see anybody on their phone? <laughs> did you see anybody or did you hear anybody gossip? Did you see anybody or did you think anybody was living wrong? She replied, I was so focused on the glass of water trying to prevent it from spilling that I neither heard nor saw or thought anything else apart from concentrate on this glass filled with water. And that's our life, isn't it? Instead of concentrating, you see, God is in us. He fills us. That's where our focus should be. The infilling of God in us. The Holy Spirit that dwells in us is whom we need to be communing with. It's whom we need to be communicating with. It's whom we need to be conversing with. Rather than all the noise going on around. That's what we need to do. Let's not worry too much about A, B, C has said this, has done that. It's not doing this. Rather, concentrate on me, the Holy Spirit in me. What is the Spirit of the Lord saying? He's filled me. What is he saying? Am I listening? Am I hearing the direction in which he wants to lead me or lead, lead me? Who is he saying I can minister to? Is that what he's saying to me? Is that what we're hearing? Or are we rather seeing other things? Not paying attention to our infilling. Is that what we're doing? So she said, no. She was concentrating so much on the glass and the water in the glass because she didn't want even a drop to spill as the pastor had directed. So the story here is what are you filled with? Are you spilling what you're filled with? Because we are the containers of the Holy Spirit. Are we causing it to spill? Or are we containing and working with and keeping and looking, concentrating on the Holy Spirit, watching what he does and hearing what he says. Is that what we're doing? Or are we rather have, are we rather looking at other things so much so that as we do other things, there's a spilling. So after that, obviously, that got her thinking, didn't it? In the same way, I hope it's got us all thinking. Are we working with the Holy Spirit? Are we collaborating with the Holy Spirit? Or are we just walking anyhow or doing anything anyhow, so much so that there's a spillage? God wants to fill us continuously and completely. 
And he wants that filling to work through us, every fiber of our beings, every bit of us. He wants that filling to work, to have an effect, to be successful. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to walk in victory. He wants us to minister to other people. He wants us to influence others. He wants our lives to be an example unto somebody else. Is that what we're doing? Are we concentrating on the noise around you see, because God has said each of us should work for our salvation with fear and trembling. Each, it's, it's a personal thing. You work through your salvation with fear and trembling. Your salvation does not depend on. You see how human beings fail you. You can't rely on arm of flesh. They may have the best of intentions, but it's nature, the nature of human beings generally that they will fail you. Sometimes it's not deliberate. They just can't help the situation and they'll fail you. But see, God never fails. We're supposed to work, each one of us individually, our salvation, work for our salvation with fear and trembling. He called us in Matthew 4, 19, he said, come follow me. He asked us to follow him. He didn't say come with Kwesi, come with Kofi, come with John, come with Matthew, come with Mark. You come. It's an individual thing. And he says, come to me as you. He says, come just as you are. Just as you are. And he will wash and cleanse and make you whole. Restore you. That's what God wants from us. That is what we need to concentrate on. Rather than worry about X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z will always happen. How do we deal with that? How do we react to X, Y, Z? Being a gossip, being on the cell phone, what business of it is ours? What business? Is it our, is it our problem if somebody chooses to be on their cell phone? If we're to be focused ourselves, we more than likely wouldn't have noticed let them be, each to themselves. Yes, you can, there is a way in which you can do this if you believe that they are in the wrong. Sometimes if you don't have the full picture, if you don't know the whole story, it's good to, it's, it's likely that you will come to a certain decision or conclusion. If you haven't put yourself in a certain situation, please be quiet. Don't go making statements because if you were in that same position, who knows what you'd have done, what you would have said. Work through our salvation with fear and trembling. Concentrate on the water in the glass. And I'm not talking of the glass being half full, the full glass. So much so that one wrong move and you have a spillage. You don't want to spill that. You want all contained in you. You want to receive all of it. You want the glory of God upon you. Even as you worship him, his glory coming upon you. You see, in the Old Testament, when they had the ark, the glory of the Lord came upon the mercy seat. That's where he met with the priests. You see, but it's changed now. That was the law. Now we're in the period of grace. In this period of grace, we have love. God indwells us. This is, our mess. This is the mercy seat that God takes charge over. The mercy seat is in us. So he indwells us, communes with us. He wants to talk to us every day. 
But are we hearing him, even as he indwells us? Or are we rather concentrating on the noise around? Glory, glory. The glory of God. The fullness of God. The fullness of God in everything. You see, we have a glorious God. And Jesus is the reflection of the glory of God on earth. When he came down, he came with the fullness of God in him. Do you remember at the we can talk about two, a few things here. Jacob, his experience when he was returning um, from Haran through the desert at the place he called Bethel. Do you remember when the, um, he had a dream and the angels, he saw the Lord at the top and the angels were ascending and descending the stairs. He could see the glory of the Lord. That's his glory. That's his glory, his fullness, his radiance, the power. Again, the glory of the Lord came upon the Israelites as they departed from Egypt. By night and by day, by day, the pillar of cloud with his full glory, protecting them and direct. You see, when the glory of God comes upon us, it does a number of things. Protection is number one. Direction is number two. So he directs, he protects. He directs, he protects. When they were left Egypt and they were going through the desert, again his glory at night, pillar of fire. That fire gave light, it gave protection. That's what the glory of God does. Light and protection, light, protection, protection, direction. So the light will give them direction, the light will let them see clearly where they're going and his protection. We need his glory. That's why we ought to worship him and praise him every day of our lives, every moment we get. And it doesn't have to be verbalized all the time. You can sing and make merry in your spirit all the time. It doesn't have to be verbalized. You know, in these days when many things, for many things you have to be politically correct. That annoys me so much for certain things. For instance, you couldn't go on the tube. I get on the train and the tube every day and can you imagine me on there and then just singing to the glory of the Lord because I'm caught up in that and I'm, there's me singing praise and worship. Can you imagine the looks? I'm not bothered by the looks. What might happen is they might stop the train and throw me off. Let's say we've got a loony here. But you see, if I choose to sing in my spirit, no one hears. It's for me. And that lifts me up. So nothing should stop us. Nothing at all should stop us. Let his glory rest upon us. So we've talked about Jacob's experience. We've talked about the pillar, the, the cloud and the pillar. The fire, we can talk about other things. When Jesus was baptized by John, he was dunked in the water, came up. The glory of the Lord came upon him. The dove appeared. The heavens opened. Those were the words. The heavens opened. His glory, the dove came. That was the beginning of his ministry. You see, so direction. The glory of God directs us. Then again, whilst Jesus was here with his three closest disciples, 
They went to the mount where he was transfigured before them. We had Moses and Elijah appearing with him. And what, did that, what does it say? His appearance changed. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. The glory. His glory shone through. Not that it ever left him. But because he became fully man, most times, at the transfiguration, he showed them that he was God too. So his appearance was transformed. Shining. His glory. So much so that the disciples, the three, wanted to, what? Make an altar at the place. He said, no. Do you also remember when Moses went to meet with God whilst they were in the wilderness? He went for a few days, a good few days. And when he came back, do you remember that his countenance had changed? So much so that the people could not look upon him because of how he shone. The radiance upon his face because he had been in contact with the glory of our God. So he had to cover that face because they couldn't look upon it. What beauty, what power. The glory of the Lord. And that glory brings change. That glory brings direction. It gives us victory. The glory of the Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Fullness. I was trying to find out whether or not um, the dictionary would actually describe God's glory or how it would describe God's glory. And you see, it comes from the Latin word gloria, fame, renown. And interestingly, it says it's used to describe the manifestation of God. That's interesting. The manifestation of God's presence, glory. That's a beautiful thing. We've talked many times and we've sung praises and worship songs where it talks about the Shekinah glory of God. That's a Hebrew word. You see, that Shekinah glory is the settling or dwelling presence of, the, of our God and our King in the Ark of the Tabernacle, for instance. But I like to compare that with us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. In the ark, when the glory of the Lord came down, there was a difference. There was that shining, there was that radiance. In us, when God's glory dwells in us, when it comes down upon us, there is a difference. There is a difference, big difference, there is a difference. There is no fear. You do things that you don't know where you got the strength from to do. You have that wisdom that you say things you didn't realize that you could say. And people say, where did that come from? It's not you. It's the wisdom of God. It's God working through you and through me. That's what he does. And again, there's another Hebrew word. Sometimes it's called kavod. Sometimes it's called kabod. That also refers to respect, honor that we give. You see, because we have a God that we honor. We honor him every day. And if we don't, then we're supposed to. We honor him every day. That's his glory. Glory of the Lord. And his glory is risen up on this earth. His glory shines. His glory is what brings this peace. To God be the glory. None like him. There's no God like our God. 
You see, Romans 3, 23, it tells us, all have sinned and fall, fallen short of his glory. We can't be like our God. And we are not like him. He knows all things, he does all things. There's no God like him. I'd want us to read a few scriptures before I bring this to a close. Um, can we quickly look at Isaiah 60? Isaiah. Sixty, six zero. One and two. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. You see, so wherever you are and all that you do, when the Lord rises for you, there is a change. Every dark circumstance or situation changes. It is different. It cannot be the same with the glory of the Lord. Again, we look at Isaiah 42. And verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See? I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. We are supposed to praise him. He will not yield it to idols or to anything else. It's to him and him alone that we need to honor, that we have to honor with our praise and with our worship. He will not yield his glory. Again, we see in Psalm 24, Psalm 24, Psalms 24, um, and we shall do seven till 10. Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The, the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord almighty. He is the king of glory. So again, his glory, his glory, his glory. His glory. Then we have a new covenant, don't we? Um, our new covenant. Let's look at one or two things the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. 
After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So you see, Jesus being the glory of God on earth. And through that power, through that glory, he forgave us our sins, purification of sins. After that, that's a completed work. Now he sat down at the right hand of the Father in majesty in heaven. That's our God. Hallelujah. Jesus. You see, the new covenant releases the Holy Spirit in us as believers. The Holy Spirit indwells us. That indwelling gives us freedom to live for God. And it's not just freedom that it gives us, but also it allows us to reflect his glory. That's what the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is supposed to do, to reflect the glory of God upon us or the glory of God in our lives. His glory. His glory. Jesus became God's glory on earth, as we see in John, Philippians, Colossians. Hallelujah. Jesus, he is Lord, and there's none like him. Glory be to your name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, glory. Glory, glory.